Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, what's up? Welcome back to a brand new series titled, I Was Made for What? I Was Made for What? I don't want to get this confused because we were going to say I was made for this and I want to try to tell you that you were made for exactly one thing because God's put so much in you. And so I'm really excited over the next few weeks to dive into this. Today we're talking about going with who you have, going with who you have. And uh, it's a little bit deeper than, than the title gives to us. And so if I have not ever met you before and you're joining me online for the very first time, thank you so much. We have people sharing the message all across the country and I'm grateful for your time this morning. I hope that you get something out of this and, uh, and I'm glad that you're here. And so we give every week. Some of us have the gift of giving. I've had the chance to come into so many people who have the gift of generosity. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it will be given to you with a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For the measure you give with, it will also be given back to you. To give great, when we give great, we get back even greater with God. And so you're partnering with us financially today. Thank you so much. It means more than you know. You know, uh, Proverbs 19 kind of backs up that Luke 6, 30. It says, Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord. And he will repay the lender. He will repay the lender. So you're storing up treasure in heaven when you give to the kingdom of God and you help us reach more people and share the gospel. And so again, thank you so much. And so you were made to go. You were made to go into all the world. You were meant to make it better. It's what Matthew, it's what the Great Commission's all about. It says, go into the world, make it better, build people and use me to do it. Do it in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Many of you would say, well, I can't do that. I can't do that because I don't have what it takes or I don't have the confidence or... Um, you know, Dusty, you don't know me or my past. And we say this all the time, but today, if you believe in Jesus, I want to challenge you that you need to go with who you have, go with who you have. Now it's your presence in people's lives that makes the difference, especially as a believer, right? And so then with that comes your support, your compassion, your empathy, your encouragement, right? It's what people need. It's, 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 we come along to help people, to hold people's arms up, to help them get through life. But here's the deal. Even though it's your presence that makes a difference in people's lives, it's God's presence in you that allows you to make the difference. And in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. So you need God's strength to do this. But Philippians 2.13, even more importantly, says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. And His good purpose is that people have life and life abundantly on earth. And we as believers get to carry that cause. We get to go into the world and share that with people. So then we need God's strength, but we have God's spirit. So to go with who we have means we need to rely on and lean into the spirit of God in our lives. Why do we do that? Because Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith, through the experience of your faith, which is salvation, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound. By the power of God's Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow. And overflow, that means it's going to get on everybody else with confidence in His promises. And so then this helps people get closer to the will of God. He uses you as you go with who you have. Your presence should be His presence. It's Him in you, again, that makes the difference. And so then to talk about God's presence and, and your presence and kind of, you know, to add some clear here, there's three types of, of presence that God has. The omnipresence of God, which means God is everywhere. He's in all places at all times. There's no place which God's knowledge and power do not extend. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning 
and the end. You don't have to have salvation or to see God as the creator and Jesus as the savior to know about God's omnipresence. He's there whether you like it or not, whether you believe or not. The omnipresence of God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Psalms 139, to kind of lock this one in biblically, David says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? God is everywhere all the time. The second presence of God is the inner presence of God. This is when God's spirit comes to live inside of you. Um, this, you can find this in scripture, but Jesus says he's been with you, but he will be in you. This happens at salvation, the inner presence of God. I've got one scripture, three different ways to share it with you today. First Corinthians 3.16 says this, Do you not know and understand that you, the church, love that? That you, the church, are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells permanently in you collectively and individually. That's the amplified version. That's the amplified version. And so then um, the, the CSB says, do yourselves know that you are God's temple and the spirit of God lives in you. And the Holman says, don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary. I love that. You're God's sanctuary and that the spirit of God lives in you. I don't know that we can get much more better than that, to have the Spirit of God in us. That's what gives us the ability and, the, and empowers us to go and walk and live. The third presence of God is the manifest presence of God. And this is where he, know, he makes his presence known to people. He makes his presence known among us. And that's Genesis 3.8. This is the first time we see it. This is after Adam and Eve have sinned in the garden. And they hear a sound. It's Genesis 3.8. And they hear a sound of the Lord. And, and he's walking among them in the cool afternoon breeze of the day. God bless, fall is coming, amen. And so, so it says the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, hid, and they kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And here's the thing, if God is omnipresent, he knew exactly where they were because he's all places all the time. But the manifest presence of God is when he makes his presence known among us and we sense, we sense that presence. So now, to go with who you have, you have to decide how you see God. And more importantly, how you see the gift that he gave you through his son, Jesus. Is Jesus your savior? And does it stop there? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made him both? Have you not just prayed a prayer, but have you given him your heart? And there's a real big difference between savior and Lord. I want to talk about that just a little bit because to go with who we have, we have to understand what the power of God is inside of us when he gives us his spirit. So this is where I feel that we've made our biggest mistakes in the capital C church is we lead people to salvation, but not to lordship. And salvation is enough because it marks a number on a tally sheet somewhere. And we go, hey, look, at the Lord is moving. And that's great. And that's great. And I'm not taken away from that. But we lead them to salvation and not to lordship. Now, lordship is a real religious word, but I didn't have any other way. So don't let that freak you out. Okay. And we believe, and the, and the difference between these two is this, we believe we need saved. So we accept the gift of salvation because it's free. We don't believe that we need help leading our life, though, so we fail to accept the Savior. And then, so then we come up short in giving him our heart. And what you need to know is you can ask Jesus to be your Savior without making him your Lord. Savior is a great start. It's a great start. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Restore me to the Father. Put my name in the book of life. Pay my entry fee to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Right? The next step asked after asking Jesus to save you from your sin is to ask him to be the Lord of your life, is to make him the Lord of your life. And the difference between salvation and lordship is really the difference between faith 
and work. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Faith is that trust, it's that belief. It's when we actually receive the gift of salvation, that grace gift that God gives us. By the way, works disconnected from faith is just as dead as faith without works. And so the reality is salvation is free. You're saved by grace. It takes faith. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Now, lordship is when you give God your heart. He rules your heart and that leads you to action because you share in his heart and his will. Salvation has nothing to do with works. It's acceptance of grace. God so loved the world that he gave. God gave. So you just receive the gift. Now, Lordship is about works because it's discipleship. That takes heart and it takes action. Faith without works is dead. So our faith grows weak and it dies when we stop at salvation. When we stop at praying the prayer and sitting back on easy street, just believing everything's going to happen for us because now we received a savior, right? And we checked a box and we did what the Bible said or what my friend said. So then where's my reward? And also, why are things still so hard? Why is it still so hard? And it's hard because you're going by yourself. Your faith grows weak and it dies when we stop at salvation, right? Gets us into heaven, entry fees, pay, entry fees paid for, right? Living faith is when God has authority in your heart. You follow him. You live as an example of him and this allows others to see him, right? So then salvation leads to lordship, not selfship. Salvation leads to lordship, not selfship. Lordship means putting God in authority over everything in your life which starts with your heart. It's giving God your heart. Selfship means putting you in authority over everything in your life, which means you work to fix everything instead of letting the Lord lead you through it. And so what I hope you see in this is salvation without lordship really prevents repentance because it's a, it's a once saved, always saved mentality, a box you checked instead of a relationship that you live. And salvation without lordship leads us to sin and to stay out of church, and to stay away from believers, because we get convicted, and so then we want to hide from His presence. We want to hide from Him because we, we've done wrong, right? When in reality, the times that we blow, the times that we sin, and, and that we're not in the presence, those are the times that we need God more than ever. And salvation with Lordship leads you to lean in when you make a mistake, because of who's inside of you. It's because of who's inside of you. It's the one who is the Lord, who is alive on the inside of you, who you've made the Lord of your life, who you've made the king of your heart. Now, when sin affects your heart and you, and you willingly repent, because the only time sin is going to affect your heart is when you've given God your heart. If you only pray the prayer of salvation, you're like, thank God that's forgiven, right? But man, when I make God the, the Lord of my life and I give him my heart, when I make a mistake, when I blow it, that affects me. And then I willingly, I'm, I willingly repent because I know I need more of Jesus in my life. I know that I've created, I've stretched my relationship there. And so then I gonna, I'm going to willingly repent because I know I need more Jesus in my life I'm, instead of finding a solution because I know I have a problem, right? Jesus is the answer. And so what the devil wants for you is he wants you to feel guilty and he wants you to feel like a hypocrite when you do wrong and he wants you to give up and he wants you to go back to the things that entrap you. And he wants you to go back and live that life and feel like you're never going to add up and you're never going to be good enough. And, and there's no way that God could ever use you. And that's a lie. The Bible says that even when we blow it, that we can enter 
his presence boldly, boldly because of the blood of Jesus. It doesn't say stay away and hide in shame because of your guilt. That's what the devil says. We call this ownership in our house when we actually step up boldly and own it, right? Just own your guilt, confess it, say you're sorry, and it'll be over and we can move on and we can keep going in the pace that we go. It takes boldness to own a mistake, though. It takes boldness to walk with the presence of God in your life. But to do that, he has to be the king of your heart. He has to be the Lord of your lives so others can sense it too. Now, God has called you to go with who you have. Go with who you have. It's his spirit that's in you, and his spirit in you is more than enough. And so you don't need money or a car or a position or status or a reputation or X, Y, or Z, the things that we kind of put, in our, put in, in our framework, say, well, if I just had that, and you don't need any of that, all you need is God's spirit. And I want to give you one example of how this worked for me. Now, listen, this is not a green light to go sit at the bar every night and drink your sorrows away. That's not what this is. And so when we were in Michigan, uh, I got invited to go with a group of guys to sit at a bar. And I got invited several times. And every time I was like, no. And let me tell you why this was. Growing up in the church I grew up in, um, there it was alcohol was a no-no. It was absolutely zero. This is not going to happen. We don't do this. We catch you with this. You're fired. And you're fired on the spot. Now, I'll also say this. My pastor grew up in a home that alcoholism ruined uh, the life of his family. And it really just created separation. And, and he was not going to have a part of it. I'll say this, my biological father died of a drug overdose and he was an alcoholic. And so then I know what it does. I know what it does. And so I am in no way today saying you should do this. And in no way does the, does the man who's watching this message go, see, honey, it's okay if I do go. That's, that's not what I'm saying. And so hear me, hear me when I say this, alcoholism in my life was, was, a, was bad. It's still bad. It's, it's still the way I see it. However, God changed something in me this day. And so I got invited several times and I wouldn't go. And, and finally, the time that they didn't invite me, I had a check and I, and I was telling Heather and she said, I, she's been telling me to go honestly. And, and I said, Hey, I need to go. And she said, I, I know I've been telling you that you need to. And, and so this night I go and, and I, and I sit where they sit, but I mess up their seating arrangement. And because I'm not normally there and I come and I sit down and, and I drink about 73 cups of coffee that night. And, and, a few weeks after that, I changed to Diet Coke, by the way. And, and what I want you to see is this. Your actions should reflect Jesus. So when we talk about going into the world, yeah, the bar is one of those places. And I was anti that because of how I grew up and what I knew, what I knew that place to be and, and, and who I knew those people to be. And, and I just want to tell you that, that God's greater than all of that. And your actions should reflect him. Yes, yes, he's set with sinners. Yes, he went and sat with tax collectors and, and all of this, but never once was his mind changed and he let something that was in the environment change who he was or who was with him. And so I did grow up and my dad was pretty hardcore disciplinarian and every now and again my dad would offer me a beer and, and we would sit and have a beer together growing up. Now this is when I was before 21, so you know I'm not condoning that either. But that was the way that my dad told me that he loved me, was to sit down and and offer me a beer, and it was always one beer, right? 
And that's all I know of it. Now listen, the Bible says do not get drunk. So then, if you cannot have a beer without getting drunk, it's pretty simple. Don't do it. If you have no self-control, don't do it. And if you need help with alcohol today, please reach out to me. Please let me know. I want to get you some help. I'm going to get you some help. And so then, here's what happened when I sit down at the table with those guys is um, one of the guys who I'd been hanging out with for, the, for several weeks at that time, almost six months, opens up to me how his son has some addictive problems and there's some stuff that he's into that he just doesn't know how to help him out of. And so I get to sit and, ha- and, and have a great conversation with this guy and he's telling me how he's not really even excited about waking up in the morning because he has to take him and, and there's this wedge between him and his son because of what his son is doing and he doesn't know how to do it. I wasn't the savior in that moment. I just gave some advice and it was from the Bible and it's what God had, had taught me about dealing with stuff like that. And I want to tell you that a lot of kingdom impact, that was one instance of more than 10 that happened because I was willing to go set and be and take somebody with me to go with who I had. And because I was willing to go to an uncomfortable place that had been really the antichrist in my life and, and I'd seen alcohol ruin so many lives and I thought, man, I do not need to be in this place. But you know what? I got the spirit of God. I had the spirit of God in me. And nothing says I have to go and partake and do and act and be any of that. But I can go with who I have and believe that if this is, if this is the only opportunity to be salt and light in this group, that I would do it. And so much great happened because I was willing to go and sit down and sit down. And so then the only reason that growth happened in those moments is because God was with me. Because he has my heart, he led in those moments and his will was done because I went. And three of those eight guys now actually profess Jesus to be their savior, which never would have happened had I not went, or at least not in that time frame that I believe. And what's unique is Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, go. It says, go into all the world. I'm going to paraphrase. It says, go, make it better. Build people. Use me to do it and do it in my name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach people to do everything I have told you. And do not worry. I will be with you always even until the end of the world, even until the end of the world. And so then that means wherever you go, wherever you go, always here means I'll be with you every day. I will remain with you continually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion. And I will stay. I will stay is what God says. I am with you always. And I will be with you until I stop the world from turning. Now, once we receive salvation, That's that free gift, right? We learn to hear his voice. We lean into God because he saved our lives. And once we we learn to hear his voice, we begin to seek him more. What do I mean? Prayer, reading, worship, reflection. And once we hear his voice, this is the big one. This is that lordship. We're actually called to do what he says. We give him our heart. Now, we're not called to do what others do. It's not salvation. Hey, Oh, you do these three things, I'll do those three things too because that's religious activity that really brings no fruit, okay? And so then don't look and compare to others and what they do. Seek God and build your relationship, not ride the coattails of somebody else. And know that this, that that we are, once we hear his voice, we're called to do what he says and that he is with you in all of it as you go, as you go. Now, this is the journey from salvation to lordship, that really great word, right? Right? Asking Jesus to come into your heart 
and giving him your heart. Receiving grace and walking in truth, right? Going alone and going with him. Now, God put it on my heart and he spoke to me about going to the bar. I was in here. I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was supposed to go. So I went. So I went. And what's unique is around the country, the bar is viewed very differently, right? Now, what if I didn't go? What if I didn't go and sit at the bar that night with those guys? And, and what if I didn't continue to go back regularly? God would still be with me because he never leaves me. But would I still be in his presence? No. I would be choosing to hide or to hide him from others because I'm not willing to go where he sent me. And the reality is, is if, if he has my heart, I'm going to do his will. And that keeps me in his presence, which is going with the flow of his spirit in me instead of against the grain in my selfishness, if that makes sense. And so his will is always greater than my way. And when he's the Lord of my life, I can go willingly because he has my heart, not a decision I made, my heart. And when God tells you to do something, when he puts something on your heart, when God puts something on your heart, I'll say that's God telling you to do something. It's on your heart. And you don't, you're making the choice to go in your way instead of in his will. You're, will, you're willfully leaving his presence for yours. This is willful disobedience, by the way. It's not a mistake. And there's a big difference between mistakes and obedience. Obedience is one of those words too, right? Now, we're all humans and we all make mistakes. We all, the Bible says we all sin, we all fall short of God's glory. So let me give you a practical example of this. If Heather texts me and, or calls me and she says, hey, on the way home, do you mind to pick up some lettuce, um, X, Y, Z? Can you pick that up? Absolutely. Now, if I'm here for hours and I forget on the way home, that's one thing. But if she asks me to get lettuce and I don't, and I, and I willingly choose not to. I just think, you know what? I'm not going to get that because I don't like salad. That's a whole nother ballgame. That's a totally different thing. I'm going against what I was asked. And with God, there are things that you know that you need to do. Don't treat them as obedience, right? I think in 2022, we've taken that word a little bit out of context. If there are things in your heart that you know that God wants you to do, treat it as doing what you were asked to do by the creator of the universe, Right? By the way, biblical obedience equals love plus trust plus action. That's being, believing, and doing. Faith that works is dead. Doing. So then, now, if you don't do what God put on your heart, if you don't do what He asks you, and you get lost, and you're kind of like, and, and, and you're wondering what's happening, and, and why are things going the way they're going? Why do I feel like I'm constantly battling or fighting? Uphill. If you're wondering that, if you're wondering that, a rule of thumb for me is this. Always go back to the last thing that I believe God put in my heart. Go back to the last thing God told me and start there. Because I believe it's a lot better to go with God than to go by myself. I had a guy one time, it was 2015, and he told me, I'm 1997, the Lord told me, da 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 And I'm like, well, hey, it's 2015, um, if I were you, I'd go back to what God said in 1997. You dropped the ball somewhere there, okay? You need to pick it up and start going because that was a long time ago. All right. Now, here's the thing. 
going back to what God said, the last time that you knew, that you knew that you knew, go back there because it's better to go to God than by yourself. That took me a little bit to learn. That took me a little bit to learn. And a, and a quote from John Wayne really helped me out here. And here's what John Wayne said. He said, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. <laughs> and, so, and, and it only takes a certain amount of time for you to go by yourself and for you to get your butt kicked before you realize, whoa, okay, Lord, you're right. I need you. Instead of going against the grain and by myself, I want to go with you in this because I, you have my heart and your will for me is better than my way, right? And so then I say the John Wayne quote because it's fun, but going alone is not recommended. You need to go with who you have. God's given you his spirit to go. And so today I would say, I don't know if you're in a place where you'd say, Dusty, I've never heard the voice of God and I, and I never will or have. I don't believe that I will and, and I don't know what to do if I would. I would just ask you to do this. Give him your heart. Give God your heart. If you've prayed that prayer of salvation and asked Jesus to come into your heart, give it to him. And then seek him more. Seek him more. I have a friend that would tell you to open your Bible, read the New Testament, and do what it says. That's really easy. But here's what I promise. I promise this. If you give God your heart and you start reading your Bible, God's going to start doing something in your life. He's going to start speaking into your heart. You will sense his presence more. You will feel him more in your life. You will gain confidence and you will be able to go into your world with the boldness that, that we're told to come into the presence of God with. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And I know this because God created you to go with him. He created you to go with him. He wants the best for you and he wants your best for him. This is how others see him. I'm going to close with this. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says this. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. This is those who've been trying to go by themselves, right? Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what you need to know. The burden of doing and doing alone is exhausting, especially when it's disconnected from your heart. When it's only from that place of, I have to do this, instead of I get to do this. And when you have only prayed a prayer of salvation and you've not lived in a relationship with God, what you sense is this. Church is a place of rules and rituals and routines and tradition, and it's all law. It's all law. And that's how we talk about it to our friends, and that's why they won't come with us, right? And so we all feel like all that's too heavy to carry, and so we lose heart and we disengage, and that's when it becomes a once-a-month thing. So we just go to say we did because we know we should. And Jesus says, stop. In Matthew 11, he says, stop. Don't carry any of that. It's not about a law or rule or ritual or tradition. It's not about that. It's about relationship. I didn't tell you to carry that, he says. Instead, instead what I want you to do is, is take my yoke, and I want you to learn from me. Learn what? Learn how to go with him. Take my yoke. Come with me. Come with me, which is how you become like Jesus. When I'm yoked up, I'm walking next to, and I'm going to naturally become like this person, like Jesus, because we are yoked together. Now, he says, if you do this, you're going to find rest for your souls. That's huge. That's huge. He says, there's no burden to carry. And even if you think you are, give it to me, right? You don't have to follow through with a man-made rule or religion or tradition, 
I only need your heart. Jesus only is asking for your heart. And he says, take my yoke. And here's what stinks about the word yoke is it suggests work, right? But we should see it as an instrument for discipline. This is a way for me to grow in my relationship with God. It takes discipline. The yoke is really a powerful guide for our thoughts and our actions. If we actually find ourselves linked up, yoked with Jesus, how much peace does that bring into our life? Taking the yoke of Jesus allows us to see things through his eyes. The yoke of Jesus is all about heart and mind, and it helps shape us into his image. When God made you, he formed you in the womb. He knew you before you were born. And he said, you look, you, he made man and woman in his image. So they look just like me. And so then to get to that, we need to take the yoke of Jesus. Now, we don't take the yoke to work or to go through routine or to continue tradition, but to become more like Jesus, become more like Jesus. And then, and then also when I take the yoke with somebody, when I actually get linked, yoked with someone, there's somebody that has to lead. And in that moment, I'm just saying, if I'm linked, if I'm yoked with Jesus, I'm going to let him lead. He's going to have my heart and I'm going to let him lead because I know and I, if I'm physically here, he knows better than I do in this situation. And so then, Lord, let me go with you and thank you and thank you for going with me. Right. And so yoke is something that you share. But even when you're yoked together, somebody has to lead. We might as well let Jesus lead. If I'm yoked with Jesus, you better believe he's the one leading. It's a beautiful picture of lordship taking my yoke. What Jesus says, it's a beautiful picture of lordship because he leads. When he leads, he has my heart. By the way, the yoke of Jesus is never forced on you. This is never something that's like, ha, it's not that. Making Jesus the king of your heart, the Lord of your life is not a have to. It's a decision that each of us must make, right? When we make him the Lord of our lives, the king of our hearts, he says three things in Matthew 11. Take my yoke. What's that mean? Go with me. Go with me. Go with who you have. Two, learn from me. When we learn, we become. We become more like him. And three, you'll find rest. And he says that rest is easy and light with God. But without him, it's heavy and it's burdensome. So then you'll find rest for your soul. Here's your action step for today. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Make the decision today to receive the gift that God gave you through his son. Believe in Jesus. It's called salvation. Number two, give your heart to God. Don't just pray a prayer to get saved. Ask God to take your heart. Give Jesus your heart and begin a relationship begin a relationship with him. That's called lordship. He becomes the Lord of your life. He has your heart. So now you can do his will for your life, which is better than yours. It's better. And then three, seek him, go with him, go with him. That's what it means to become a disciple, salvation, lordship, discipleship. So then the more of God in your life, the more of your heart he has. Remember, you don't get more of him. You have as much of him as you're ever going to have. He gets more of you. He gets more of you. And the truth is, when you want more of somebody in your life, you give more of yourself to them. When I was dating Heather, I was trying to suck the lips off her face every time we met, right? I still do. Why? I wanted her to be my wife. I wanted her to be my wife. But when we had kids, I'm going to tell you a story. When we had kids, I drifted away from that and I drifted away from her and we drifted away from each other and it was my fault. It was my fault. And for the first two years of Oscar's life, who's our firstborn, I would come home and notice all the things that weren't done instead of all the things that Heather had done. And I was carrying 
a little bit of stress this time because we had brought her home and I had made the decision that I was going to try to make up her salary so that we could raise our kids um, in a healthy household. And so for her to come home, it meant I had to do a lot of extra work. It wasn't a little, it was a lot. And, and I just want to fast forward to say when we finally got to the root of this, when we finally got through this, she let me know that I never noticed all the things that she did. I was only good at noticing what she didn't do. And that still plays true for me today in my life in a lot of areas. I can tell you, I can walk into any place in the world and let you know what needs fixed right now. It's just in me. Part of that's my childhood, part of that's my past, part of that's working at a, at a place that, that expected perfection for so long. And when we finally got to the root of this and Heather shared with me, we finally got to the place where we could communicate well. And it's crazy how just a few years can cost you so much. And she told me that, that the one thing that I was doing was noticing the things that weren't done instead of noticing what was. And that turned a light on in my life and the leadership of my marriage. And Heather was still great at doing all the things that needed done. But what I didn't see about Heather is, is, was a blind spot for me. Heather valued what was most important, our kids. And she was really doing and leading our house beautifully and raising great kids. And I couldn't see that for the mess that our kids were making. And it really wasn't a mess, but it was a mess to me. A lot of people wouldn't define it as a mess. And the reality is, is what was important was our kids, not the stuff on the floor or the dishes in the sink. And the truth is today is I still see a lot of those things, um, but our kids are well cared for. Our kids are well cared for. And if that means going to bed with a sink full of dishes or a messy living room floor, that's 100% okay with me. It wasn't at the time because I was blind. And what I want you to see is I failed to see that Heather was working her butt off every day. And all I could see were the things that she couldn't get to. But I'm so glad that she didn't get to those things because that means our kids would have suffered and our kids don't suffer. Heather is a Proverbs 31 woman. She is up before the sun and she's the last one to bed and up several times in between there. The way that she cooks, cleans, serves our house, serves me, helps me. She is a helpmate. She is, um, she's an incredible woman of God. I'm so, so thankful for her because she lives exhausted for me. She lives exhausted for us. Now listen, I don't highlight the things that, that don't get done anymore. And I don't ask about why this is still out anymore. And I do that for two reasons. One, I understand how much she gives. But two, I love living with her presence in my life. What she brings to me is so special and so much more important than any toy on the floor, floor or dish in the sink. Now, by living with their presence, I don't mean that she's going to leave or that I would leave. I mean, and if you're married, you know what I mean. You know what it's like to be in the same room with somebody, but playing the quiet game, right? You're in a close relationship and, and there's been something said and we've had disagreement and now we're just, we're, we're at odds. And so even though we're in the same room, we aren't present with each other. And in those times, um, you're, not in, you're, not, you're not really in at the moment and you don't want to be. And you can be in the same house with somebody and not experience the joy or the presence of the person who is there. And I just wanna tell you that God wants you with him and he wants to be with you. 
And for years, I could sit at a dinner table with my family and not even be in the same zip code, right? Because I had so much work to do. I wasn't going with who I had. I was going alone. I was going alone. And it was unhealthy. And the reality in all of this is you can come to church or you can watch online and you can pray and you can read and, and not experience God's presence. And he cannot have your heart. And God's presence in your life is everything. Salvation, lordship, discipleship. And so then to believe, you need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe that in your heart. And the Bible says in Romans 2, 9, you'll be saved. Give your heart to God. Commit to him. Make him Lord. And not just on Sunday, but every day. And then seek him. You need to eliminate drive-through quiet times with God. You need to invest in your relationship with him. Seek him. And the more you seek, the more you're going to find, the more he's going to speak to your heart. Quality time with God always trumps quantity time. Well, I met with God 17 times today, but all of it was to ask if you would just turn that light green. That's not good. That's not good. Your relationship with God is all that matters. So it begins with salvation and it continues with giving him your heart. Going with who you have means Jesus is not just savior, but the Lord of your life. And your actions match your words, which, which allows people to see him in you. And that's all you need to go with who you have. Go with God's spirit. He's given to you. Give him your heart and see what he does. Father, I love you. Thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to share your word today and how you've called us to go with you, to go with who we have. You've given us your spirit, Lord, to walk empowered, Lord, to make this world a better place so people see you. You've asked us to do that with you. And so help us, help us in that, Lord. If there are people who do not know you today or have not given you their heart, Lord, I just ask you to help them to be bold enough to follow through with a phone call or an email. I love you so much. And I just thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that we're better today because we met, because we sat, because we watched, listened, and heard. Thank you for helping us to be part of what you want to do on the face of this planet, for helping us to have and help more people come to know you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you would say, Dusty, I need to make that decision. I need to pray that prayer. I would ask you to email me, Dusty, at DustyOtis.com. If you want to leave me a phone number there, I can call you. But I would love to have a conversation with you, uh, get something started to help you go in your relationship with God. If today's message spoke to you, share it. Just send it on. If you know somebody who needs to hear it, maybe somebody who's in a ditch or in a lull right now in their relationship with God, let them know. Again, if you struggle with alcoholism, please let me know. Email me. I want to help you get some help. And if you pray a prayer, you need a Bible. We give those away for free. I'd love to mail that to you or a Next Steps book, please let me know that by emailing me as well. Now, I'm going to pray a dismissal over you. This is a blessing. This is Paul. This is what God wants for you. He says, I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you would know it is the hope of His calling and His purpose for you and the great things that He has in store for you. Thanks so much for being here today. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. And so go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreetofine.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.